Man, doesn't that just make you just want to... In fact, you know, like, I sit there and think in my mind, man, when was the last time you went to church and we will rock you played out? Come on now. But here's the awesome thing is, is that we do serve an amazing, amazing God. And uh, I think instead of just being fans, we should be some followers right now. And so here's what I'm asking you to do. I'm going to ask you to jump to your feet. Come on, if you would, just jump up to your feet right now across the room. And here's what I want to do. Like, in, in a lot of churches, they do like this. They do like a, a, a five-second praise break, you know, and they're like, <laughs> they kind of get all excited and pumped up and ready. So here's what I want you to do. I want you on the count of three. I want you to cheer and to clap and to get crazy, but not because your favorite sports team is here, not even because Pastor Brian's here, which is cool, but not because of that, um, not because Pastor Brian's wearing a jacket. No, no, I want you to do it for Jesus because he is the reason why we're here. He's the reason why we celebrate. And so here we go. Ready? One, two, three. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Yeah. Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Yes! Woo! Woo! Come on. Yes. Yes. All right. You may be seated. Woo! Come on. When you think about being on the winning team, that should get you excited. In fact, every week you should be like, man, I can't wait. I can't wait to join with other believers because I'm on the winning team. Every week when you come in, you're like, man, I, I can't wait to be a part of it. I can't wait to see people I have a relationship with. Man, I can't wait to, to gather in God's house, to have times of worship. Didn't our worship team just do a great job this morning? Come on. What you may not know, and you can be praying for him, but Pastor Casey uh, came into my office this morning and was like, man, I am not feeling well. He goes, I think I may have strep or something like that. I got to go home. And so he's like, Worship's good, but we're changing the whole set. And so that was, the team did that, made the changes on the fly. People stepped into leadership roles. Gave them all, come on, give them all a big hand for that. One of the things I love so much about being on the winning team is this, is that when you know you're going to win, it changes things. It changes the way you process through things. It changes the way you think through. And, and you and I are on the winning team. We get to be a part of what God's doing and God is moving in our community. He's moving in churches around us. I was sitting there the other day, and I was listening to a podcast. And um, it was a leadership one. And one of the questions that the guy was talking about was this idea of, are you a fan or are you a follower? But the way he was talking about it wasn't so much in those words. He was saying, are we um, okay if God moves around us and not just through us? Let me unpack that. What he said was, he said, I've been praying for revival for my, ch for my church, for my community for a long time. And he said, I've been believing for God to do a work. And he says, I was literally praying and the Lord spoke to me and said, are you okay if I send revival? And the guy was like, yes, I'm okay if, if you send me revival. And, and he goes, but are you okay if I send it through the church down the street? Now as a pastor, man, that, causes you to stop and go, okay, yeah, why am I doing this? Are we doing it to make ourselves famous? Are we doing it so we can say, wow, look, revival came, or are we okay if it happens down the street? Are we okay if God's spirit moves? And can I just say this? I hope that you're in a place right now where you're like, I just want revival. 
If it happens through another church, that's fine. If it happens down the street, that's fine. If, if, I just want to be a conduit. Whatever that looks like, God, whatever, whatever I can be a part of, God, I, I, just, I want to be a part of that. Because I believe that God desires to pour his spirit out upon people who are hungry, people who are looking to see him move. And now I can tell you this, you don't have to go to California to see that. You don't have to go to other places because I know that the same God who's moving in other churches and other places around the nation is the same God who wants to move here in Adrian. And I believe that with all of my heart. Come on, give the Lord a big... But here's what happens many times. Many times as we as followers of Jesus, many of us in this room, we've been faced with moments where we want to fall back into fan status. Because being a fan is a little bit easier. I can be a fan all day long of the Detroit Lions, right? Many of you are, are Detroit Lion fans. But I'll tell you this. If you were a real follower, you'd get on the field and you'd help those jokers. But in all reality, you're a fan. You're not on the field. You're not putting the time in. You're not practicing. You can know all the stats. You can, you can know everything. But here's the reality is unless you're on the field playing, you're not going to determine any and have any influence on the outcome of the game. But, I, but I, I believe God is looking not for fans. He's looking for followers. He's looking for men and women who will jump out of the stands and onto the field. But you know what happens is, is many times we struggle with that. We struggle with being a fan, not a follower. See, as we spend time in God's Word, what happens is, is God's Word is like a mirror, isn't it? It begins showing us things in our life, and a lot of times we don't like the things it starts showing us. See, sometimes what happens is, is we want to hold on to our own desires, our own dreams, our own wants, our own comforts, our own stuff. And when we hear a message like you're going to hear today about giving up everything, about being sold out for Jesus, we, we look at that and we go, well, I, I, maybe not so much. I don't, I don't want to give up everything. There's a few things I want to hang on to. See, many times what happens is, is we want immediate return. And much of what happens in our lives is not an immediate return in the kingdom of God. It, it is a return that, that continues to carry on for generation after generation. But because we want immediate return, we're willing to, to kind of cut corners on certain things. It's like maybe at work you're sitting there and you're like, man, I, I, really, I really want the immediate return. So maybe you lie a little just to push a proposal through. Or, or you lie a little just to, just to make something happen. Or maybe you're in a relationship right now and you're not married and, and you're in a dating relationship and, and, and you're like, man, I just I want immediate gratification. The world around me says that I can have it now. And so instead of doing things God's way and following God's plan, you begin engaging in things sexually now, forgetting about God's plan for marriage and those things. And then, and then here's what's crazy, and I see this all the time with couples. They get in these relationships, they, they venture into areas that they shouldn't be in, and then they're sitting there, I just don't understand why my relationship is having the problems it's having. I can tell you, when you engage and you take things out of the context for how God created them, no wonder why you're struggling in your relationship. But we want immediate. We want immediate pleasure. So we, we do whatever we want, however we want. 
We say things like, no one can tell me what to do. I'm, I'm who I am. We want the immediate attention, and so we dress certain ways so that people will give us the attention we want. And the list can go on and on of, of the things that we do to get immediate. We want immediate gratification in our lives. And so what happens is instead of surrendering all, we st- surrender some. There's an old hymn that says, I surrender all. I surrender all, all. I surrender all. See, there's a lot of us who know that song. We grew up in that song. We've heard that song sung. Some of you are like, I've never heard that song. That's a new one, huh? No, not a new one, but... (laughs) But I think for as many of us, instead of the song of our life being I surrender all, maybe it's more like this. I surrender some. I surrender some. Give you just a little bit. I surrender some. It's funny because I think in many of us, we think that that's what it means. Uh, I'll keep this part of my life. I'll keep this part. I'll keep this part. I'll keep these movies I watch. I'll keep this part of my life over here. Instead of surrendering all, we surrender some. Because we say things like, I don't want to deny myself. Because life should be about having, you know, living in the now and, and, and having it our way. So when Jesus in Luke chapter 9, verse 23, as we were talking about last week, and we'll talk about again this week, when he says that if anyone wishes to come after him, that he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow him, we don't like that verse. Because what it says is it says that we've got to deny ourselves. We, we have to say no to certain things. And then we have to take up a cross, which is an instrument of punishment that we're to take up every day, and then we're supposed to follow after him, not follow after just our own dreams, our own desires. We have to follow after him. But the thing I want to focus in this morning is this, is I want to focus in on the word anyone. Anyone. If you were to do a word study on this word that's being used here in the scriptures of anyone, you would find here that, that there's probably some things that are, may, it may be a little surprising to you, actually. So I, I, I went in and began doing a little uh, word study on it. The Greek word that's used here is the word tis. The word tis that is being used here is actually used 526 times throughout the scriptures. And, and as you begin to really dig into what the word anyone means, and, and you put it into the context where he says, if anyone comes after me, and you begin looking at that and begin looking at this, this word being used throughout the scriptures, here's what it means. Anyone means anyone. It means anyone. It means anyone, everyone, anyone. You may say, Pastor Brian, you can't use a definition. You can't use the word to, in, to define something. I'm using it right now. Anyone. It means anyone. 
Throughout the scriptures, you can see it means anyone. It means anyone around you. It means your neighbor. It means your family member. It means your coach. It it means your teachers. It means anyone who you've ever come in contact with. And what happens, though, is when we hear this word anyone, what we begin to realize is this, and this will be our first point. You can put this in your handout. But it's this, is that anyone is actually welcome. That's the beauty of the gospel is that anyone is welcome. In fact, that should be something you should get excited about. You should get a little little clap or a little amen there or something. Because anyone is welcome. And if anyone is welcome, the good news is this, is that anyone is you. So look at your neighbor right now and say, you're anyone. And the beauty is, is if you're anyone, anyone is welcome. When we hear that phrase, though, we actually get a little standoffish sometimes. Well, at least some of those who have grown up in the church. Come on, let's just be honest. I grew up in the church. I've seen it. Bethany's 75 years old. So I know that throughout our church, there is still a little bit of this maybe present where we struggle with the idea that anyone is welcome. Because what we've tried to do in many ways throughout the years is we've tried to create Christian bubbles. Here's what a Christian bubble is. They look like you, they act like you, they vote like you. They talk like you. They give like you. We try to surround ourselves with people who are like us. Makes us a little more comfortable. Man, if people who are broken come around us, we're like, oh man, that's a struggle. Because we wanna have everything put together. We read our Bible every day. We pray every day. We give every week. Man, we, we do all the things that we need to do. And when someone comes in who doesn't do those things, we're like, well, what are you doing? So when we hear that the gospel is actually for anyone, some of us actually struggle with that. Because we look at things and we go, well, if anyone is available and anyone is welcome, then, then if anyone is welcome, there's got to be some small print, some fine line type thing in there that that actually says that maybe not anyone and everyone is welcome we think things like maybe there's a catch but here's what we got to understand is that jesus came for anyone and everyone now jesus was a rabbi which means that he was a teacher of the law it means he would teach he, he had an extensive knowledge of the old testament Primarily the Torah, which is the first five books of of the Old Testament. He had an extensive knowledge of that. And the rabbis that lived during this time actually um, had what they would call Talmuds. Now a Talmud is actually a disciple. It was a student of the rabbi. See, the rabbi was the teacher. He was the teacher of the law. And so what would happen is, is he would pick from among the best, the cream of the crop, and he would choose from among them a couple who would come and be a Talmud of the rabbi. Now the reason why that's important in this context is because Jesus was a rabbi, but what Jesus did was he did not say that, that just a few select the cream of the crop could be his follower, his Talmud, his disciple, his student, But actually what Jesus said is Jesus said that anyone could be a Talmud. Anyone could be a follower. Anyone could be a part of it. And so those who were around Jesus during this time when he said that would have been shocked. 
What do you mean anyone? Now, I know for us, we live in a culture where we're like, anyone and everyone. But that was, in this time, was very, very, like, controversial. In fact, if you picture it with me for a minute, the ones who Jesus picked to be on the team, the ones who Jesus picked to be Talmuds, the one he picked to be students, were the most unlikely of all characters. I mean, he picked some fishermen. We know fishermen. There's nothing good that comes out of fishermen. Just joking. That didn't really hit well in this gathering because there's not a lot of fishermen there. But during this time, they were simple, ordinary people. Fishermen. Probably had already been looked over by other rabbis that were there. But these fishermen were picked by Jesus to come follow him. A little bit later, Jesus is walking along. He sees a guy by the name of Matthew. He's a tax collector. Oh, my goodness. Now, we know there's nothing good that can come from a tax collector. That's what the people thought. The people thought there's no way that anything good could come from a tax collector, but Jesus picks a tax collector to come and be his Talmud, his student. What was Jesus doing? Jesus was simply sending a message. And the message was this, that he had come for anyone. And not only did he come for anyone, but anyone actually means everyone. See, that's good news. But the struggle is, is that we just, we really struggle with the idea of anyone being everyone. See, for some of us, we struggle with this. What about the anyone who hurts you? What about the anyone who abused you? What about the anyone who, who behind your back did something, broke your trust? What about that anyone? You're telling me Jesus came for even that anyone? Yes, because anyone means everyone. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things have passed away, and behold, the new things have come. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. The old things have passed away, and behold, the new things have come. You know what the beauty of that is? Is it speaks to the transformation that's happening in many of our lives. How many of you are glad that you're a new creation? Come on. How many are glad you're not the same way that you used to be? How many of you say, I'm still a process? Come on now. <laughs> Some of us were like, dude, I'm still a process. I'm, I'm still wondering if I'm in the new creation part, right? But hey, that's okay. Because if you're in process, that means you're taking those steps. And every day those steps are continuing to mold you and shape you into more like Jesus. But see, remember, Jesus didn't come just to save the best, the smartest, the most religious. In fact, when he says anyone, he means everyone. What he's saying is there shouldn't be any qualifications, you shouldn't have to, to feel like you have to live up to a certain thing. I'll talk to people all the time, and they'll say, man, I could never step foot in church. And I'm like, why? And they're like, because if I walk into church, man, the place is going to explode. And I go, why? They're like, because you don't understand the things I've done. And I said, that's the beauty of it. You don't have to be a certain way, act a certain way, dress a certain way, look a certain way to come to know Jesus. Jesus takes the broken people, and he begins to form them and mold them back in. Because see, 
Sometimes we forget where we came from. It's really easy as we follow Jesus for a certain period of time to to forget where we came from and what we used to be like. Sometimes we'll see that ugliness raise its head every now and then. We go, ooh, ooh. Then the enemy comes in with condemnation normally in those moments and says, see, look at you messing up here, doing this. Come on, you're a new creation. You're in Christ. Jesus, when asked in Matthew 22, he's, he's asked by a bunch of religious leaders, they say, hey, what's the greatest of all the commandments? Thinking they can kind of pigeonhole Jesus, and Jesus is like, oh, that's simple. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. What Jesus was basically saying in that moment is he was eliminating the qualifications. Jesus got rid of all the excuses. Because here's what happens is the enemy is constantly coming in and putting excuses into your ear of why you can't, who you can't, all these different things. It's excuse after excuse. But here's the beauty is is this, is that no qualifications actually means no excuses. See, if, if, if there isn't all these qualifications of, of what you need to do and, and have to have in order to come to Jesus, then what that means is it actually takes away all the excuses that people use. See, when Jesus invites anyone to follow him, he doesn't break down just the barriers that keep people from learning more about God, but what he also does is he gets rid of the excuses that different people have been hiding behind for years. So here's your question. What's the excuse today of why you haven't really started following Jesus? Why are you still a fan? What's what's the excuse that you've been hiding behind? Is it your marriage? Is it your job? Is it your health? Is it your family? Is it your past? Maybe your past has just a bunch of brokenness in it. Maybe, maybe it's bankruptcy. Maybe it's divorce, addiction, greed, tragedy, or loss. But what Jesus actually does is by him saying that the gospel is for anyone and everyone, what he does is he gets rid of all the excuses. And he says, listen, I'm inviting anyone and everyone to come. So here's what anyone means. Anyone means that Jesus still loves those who have a sexual past. That's anyone. Anyone is the ex-con. That's anyone. An inmate is anyone. A recently divorced is anyone. An alcoholic is anyone. A pothead is anyone. An addict is anyone. A hypocrite is anyone. The list could go on and on of the people who are anyone's. But what happens is, is many times we create these Christian bubbles where we say we don't want the anyone's. We want you to be fixed before you ever come through the doors. We want you to have it all together before you ever come in. I talk to people across our community all the time. And they'll say this. They'll say, man, when I was a little kid, I remember coming to Bethany. When I was a little kid, I used to come in on the bus ministry, and it was awesome. When I was a little kid, man, I, man, I remember teachers loving me, and, and they just they, they loved me right where I was. I hear that from people all the time. But here's the question is what breakdown happened from when they were younger to now when they're older? Why do they feel like now they can't come? Why do they feel like now they they have too much baggage, too much brokenness? What's the environment that we're creating? Is it an environment where people feel welcomed and feel like they can come even in their brokenness? Or have we tried to create a Christian country club? where the members have to look a certain way, act a certain way, dress a certain way, worship a certain way. 
It's interesting because I think some of us will look at things right now and you'll go, man, the Christian looks this way. You know, some of, some of you right now, you're like, man, it's about time Pastor Brian wore a suit jacket. <laughs> because in your mind, that's what a pastor should wear is a suit jacket. Man, it's about time he, he got a suit jacket on. Now, if we could just get him in some slacks, which ain't going to happen, <laughs> then he'd really be a pastor. Really? Because this jacket don't mean nothing. I got this jacket at Goodwill. Actually, it wasn't Goodwill. I just told a lie. In church. It was Salvation Army. And here's the thing. I got this jacket right here, and you may go, man, that looks good. You know why? Because this jacket right here, yeah, it does look good on me. It breaks all this up right now. But this jacket right here doesn't mean I'm a pastor, doesn't mean I'm a better Christian, doesn't mean anything. It's just a jacket. Some of you already this morning, you, you may have been a little offended because during the gathering today, you saw someone on stage with shorts. Chase Smith had shorts on, on the bass. Landon Handy had, had him on, and the drummers, he was in there drumming, he had shorts on. How dare him? Because here's what happens. We start putting people in there, and we put them in these boxes. We say, this is how you're supposed to look. And then, and then heaven forbid, Becca, Becca Colley is over here with holy jeans. Holy jeans. I don't know what she's, she's trying to prove. She's holier than all of us. Like, I don't know what it is. It's just like she's wearing these jeans, and I'm just sitting there, and I'm just like, oh, my goodness. But here's what I know. Becca's holy jeans don't make her any less or more of a Christian. What makes Becca an incredible woman of God is this, is, is she lives it out all through the week. And so when you come in contact with Becca, she'll talk to you about, she'll be like, yeah, I was over at Meyer, And that's how she talks. She's like, oh yeah, she's so sweet and so kind. She's like, and I was at Meyer, and I was sitting there and the Lord gave me a vision of someone and, uh, and then I, 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 I turned down the aisle and I saw that person and I knew that the Lord told me to go over there and pray for him and I did and their leg grew back and, and it was just amazing. And you know, like she, you know, like those moments right there. But here's the thing. That's not because of the way she dresses. It's not because of the way she looks. It's, it's because of who she's in contact with. It's because she said, hey, I'm gonna be a follower of Jesus no matter what. Her follower of Jesusness doesn't happen just on stage. And so people are like, man, she's so gifted when she plays the pe or the violin. And I'm like, yeah. You know why? Because all throughout the week, she's spending time with Jesus. And so when she gets up there on that violin, it just kind of flows out of her. Just like other of our musicians, they're, they're putting the time in during the week. because Why? Because they're followers of Jesus. But what happens is, is sometimes we think that this anyone that means everyone thing means this, uh, that they have to have certain qualifications. They've got to look a certain way. They've got to wear the suit jacket because that's what makes them really a really good Christian. It's because they have the suit jacket on. But Jesus is not looking for people who look a certain way. He's looking for people who will actually just simply be who God has called them to be. This passage in 1 Samuel Chapter 16, where they're looking for a king. Jesse, the father, has sent his son David out into the field. And Samuel, the prophet, is looking. He's looking from among, and he sees people who look the part. 
But as he's walking through this process, the Lord speaks to Samuel and says, don't look at his appearance or his height or his stature because I've rejected him. So the guys you think are the ones, I've actually rejected them because God sees not as man sees, for man looks at the outward appearance, but here's the beauty of it, is the Lord looks at the heart. God's looking at the heart of people all the time. And what God does is God draws the most unlikely of people to him, even the ones with holy genes. Like God is constantly grabbing, I'm just teasing you on the holy genes, but God is constantly grabbing people who are the most unlikely of people and saying, I've got a plan, I've got a purpose for your life. So here's what I want to say, Bethany, be ready. Because as we create an environment here where people can come in who don't have it all together, who don't have everything put together and who are broken and can come and be real, what will happen is, is your, your, your little bubble will actually begin to get challenged. And I'll be honest with you, it's hard sometimes. Because you'll be forced out of your comfort zone. You have to rub shoulders with people from different backgrounds and different social circles, people who have different music collections, who have different recreational activities than you. You'll have to be around people whose wardrobes confuse you or annoy you, people who are hard to tolerate and even harder to love. But here's what I love is that followers, and this is in your notes, followers are willing to break down walls, trash unwritten code, and welcome anyone into God's family right alongside Jesus. And I know some of you have thought, well, we just can't let just anyone into church. And can I just say, yes, we can. Because if you were far from God, I'm sure you would hope that someone would allow you to be in. I'm not saying we just welcomely celebrate sin. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about creating a safe place for people to process through their relationship with God, period. And some people's steps may not be as fast and as much as you would like to see happen in their lives, but guess what? You're right in the same boat. Because really what followers do versus fans is followers make disciples. That means that we're going to have to go deeper with relationships with people. Sometimes we're going to have to walk through some struggles that people may be having. Fans don't just go deep into things where they're, they're shallow and comfortable. No, fans, or I mean, excuse me, followers go deep because they look at things and they go past the shallow, past the surface. Followers are willing to listen, willing to hear stories of brokenness, and they're willing to process through it with people. They recognize that it's about creating steps and walking along the journey with people. We welcome people with open arms, and that means that we love people. And in loving people, we know this, is that in loving people, we have to realize that it's anyone, but it's also this. It's also everything. See, Jesus says it's anyone, but as followers of Jesus, that means everything. See, when Jesus makes his invitation, he welcomes anyone who could come after him. But he also makes it clear that when we choose to follow him, we're also giving everything up. John 12, 25 says this. He who loves his life loses it, and he who hates his life in this world will keep it to life 
eternal. He goes on to say, if anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone, that word anyone again, serves me, the Father will honor him. Back to the Talmud for a minute, the one who would follow Jesus. When a Talmud was finally accepted into a rabbi's school, here's what would happen. They would leave their homes. They would leave their jobs. They would leave whatever was holding them back. And they would go and they would follow the rabbi. Literally, it meant this. If the rabbi went to the market, the Talmuds went with him. If the rabbi decided to go to another town, the students would follow. If the rabbi went and visited some sick in a far-off area, the students would follow. What would happen is, is the students would follow the rabbi no matter what, even though they knew it cost them everything. See, Jesus, he didn't have a home. He lived among the sinners. He was a part of it. He decided not to flee persecution, but actually embraced it. And what Jesus offers to you and me is he offers us everything by giving up everything. See, the greatest teacher who lived offers you a chance to become one of his students. And when he says anyone, he actually means everyone. He's saying, listen, everyone is welcome. And with no qualifications, you've got no excuses. But even though he says anyone, it's his call for everything. So here's my question. Are you willing to give it up? Are you willing to follow the rabbi, Jesus? Are you willing to go all in? Are you ready? Here's what I know. Some of us have been serving Jesus a long time. And in some ways, oh, sorry, let me get my stuff from you. Can you play a little diddly on there? It makes, creates the mood. Okay, good. All right, fantastic. No, not that one. I'm just joking. In all seriousness, doesn't it seem like we fall into certain patterns? I, I, there's nothing wrong with creating an environment. In fact, I think it's one of the things that we do pretty well is creating an environment. But ultimately, you could be serving Jesus a really long time and still be a fan in the stand. You could know everything about him, but you could still, when people come around you who are broken, put off this barrier of like, no, I, I just, I don't have time for that right now. No, you're just, just too, too big of a mess right here. We could create these levels of comfort around us. But that's not what Jesus is asking us to do. He's asking us to be followers of him. And as followers of him, he's saying, listen, that means anyone and everyone is welcome. That means your coworker, your neighbor. That means everyone across our community. See, here's what's beautiful about the gospel, the good news, is Jesus came to seek and to save that which is lost. Not just a few. There are some religions that are out there that they think that, that it's just a few that, that God supposedly, you know, has welcomed in, and so they have to do all these things to earn it and be a part of the elect beautiful thing is, is the gospel is this, is that Jesus came to seek and to save that which is lost. That's anyone, that's everyone. 
And because he came to seek and to save that which is lost, he is desired to use followers of him to continue spreading the message. When you look at Jesus and his life, at the end of it, he had poured into 12 disciples, poured into 72, and he said, now I need you to go out and to preach the gospel and to heal the sick. He sent them out with instructions as to what they were to do. He didn't say go out after those who are healthy, those who got it all together, those who, who know about the Old Testament, who have a really good understanding of the Torah and all that. Go after those people. No, he said go after the broken, go after the hurting, go after those who think that they're not the anyone. Because here's the biggest lie that the enemy has given across our nation and across our city is this, is the enemy keeps saying you're not anyone. You're too broken. You're too messed up. You've done too many things wrong. All these different things. And we, the church, are reinforcing many times what the enemy is saying. Because we say you got to have it all put together. you got to have your act together. You can't be broken. And the enemy sees, says, see, see, you have to have it all. See, you're, just, you're not a part of anyone. But we, the church, the body of Christ, followers of Jesus, should be out there saying to each and every person, you're an anyone. You're a part of anyone. Jesus came and died on the cross for you. Jesus came and gave new life for you. You don't have to have it all together. Come with me. You're broken. Okay, come. 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 But that may mean you lose your seat. That may mean you lose your parking spot. It may mean things aren't as comfortable for you, but can I just tell you, Come on, this stuff doesn't matter. The thing that excites me the most is when I see people who are broken coming to know Jesus. Yesterday we had this open house for my daughter. And there was a guy by the name of Paul Deshaw. Paul has become a good friend of mine. What you don't know about Paul is Paul was a broken man. Alcoholic. Just not a fun guy to be around. Paul really doubted whether God loved him. Years ago, when I was pastoring Holt, I had developed a relationship with Paul and we would just talk. He just wasn't there yet. We just kept talking, talking. I would listen, listen. One day, Paul calls me on the phone. Pastor Brian, what are you doing? I said, I'm with Costa right now with family. He's like, is there any way we can meet? And I'm like, uh, what do you want to meet over? He's like, I'm ready. I'm like, what do you mean you're ready? He's like, I'm ready. He's like, I'm ready to give my life to Jesus. And I said, really? And he's like, yeah. I was like, well, let's pray right now over the phone. He's like, no, no, in person. So I'm like, okay, where do you want to meet? He's like, let's meet at the church. We go to the church. I had forgotten my church keys. <laughs> we couldn't even go in the building. So we hop in his car right outside of the church. And we sit down and we're praying. And with tears coming down his face, he gives his life to Jesus. And his life was never the same. Paul came yesterday, was at our open house. Yeah. From that point on, Paul, giving his life to Jesus, he ended up getting married. Him and his wife, um, before they were married, before this time, when he gave his life to Jesus, everything changed so radically. He had been living with his uh, fiancée 
and they were engaged in stuff. And he's like, nope, we're not going to do that anymore. I gave my life to Jesus. My life's completely been changed. He just, he just started just making change in his life. Here's this guy who's broken, all these different things. He just starts making change. He, he's never touched alcohol since. Like all these different things in his life. He's just been seeing freedom after freedom. God gave him, like him and his wife really wanted a, a child. And, and God gave him a child. I mean, just all these different things. And he brings his little baby in yesterday. And, and he's here at the open house. And, and all I could think of with him was this. Is here was this guy who was so broken. And yet God got a hold of his heart. And when God got a hold of his heart, it completely changed. But it would have been really easy in the beginning to say, oh, well, Paul, you don't have it all together. You're living with your fiance. You're doing this. You're drinking. You're at the bars, like, all the time. Like, you're an alcoholic, dude. Like, you, like, you are not in a good place. Once you get yourself fixed, then you can come. But instead, we created an environment for him to come broken environment for him to come when even he still had questions and doubts and all those things but one encounter with Jesus changed everything and I believe this that there are a lot of anyone's around our city so my question is is will you be a follower and help create an environment for those anyone's to take a step with Jesus today if you could bow your heads and close your eyes Father, all across this room, I pray that you would speak to hearts and lives of people in this room. Father, first off, I ask that you would speak to people who are within the sound of my voice, maybe even watching online right now, who find themselves far from you. And it's okay, because it's where they are. But today, God, today we're going to take some steps. Today we're going to take a step. And for some in this room here and some within the sound of my voice, it is going to be a step of you accepting Jesus into your life. See, you can't fix it on your own. You can't. You can't be good enough, and you don't have to. You don't have to have all the qualifications. You don't have to have everything put together. No, Jesus came to seek and to save that which is lost. The Word of God tells us, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus is crazy, madly in love with you today, and he says, listen, I have a free gift for you. It's called salvation. Salvation comes with it forgiveness of sin. And he says, listen, I paid the price so you could have that. So even in your brokenness, you can come to him. So with heads bowed and eyes closed, just real quick, I want to ask this quick question. If you're here today and you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus, and today you're like, you know what, I want that. I want that forgiveness of sin. Yeah, I'm broken, yeah, but, but I, I want to take those steps. And today you want to take that journey, you want to take those steps. If that's you, just real quickly, would you just raise your hand? Just put your hand up in the air and just say, hey, that's me. I need a relationship with Jesus. I see that hand back there. Come on, you would just say, I, just, I need a relationship with Jesus. I need a relationship with Jesus. I see that hand right there. I see that hand right there. So Father God, I pray right now for those who have raised their hand this moment. God, they're saying, hey, I need, I need Jesus. And I pray, God, as we join in a prayer together with those who have raised their hand, I pray, God, that you would meet them right where they are. God, that you would help them take those steps. If everyone would repeat this with me and join along with those who did, would you say, Jesus, right now, I want to be a follower. Forgive me of my sin. Forgive me of the things I've done wrong. 
I need you. So come into my life. Change me. From this moment forward, I will live for you one step at a time. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, can we give the Lord a big clap of praise? Now, maybe you're here today and you're sitting there and you're like, man, that's awesome. People giving their life to Jesus. Can I just challenge you with this thought today? Let's create an environment where it's not just about this stuff. Let's create an environment where it's not just about being all put together and having it all together. Let's create an environment where people can take their steps with Jesus. And as they take those steps, what will happen is, is we'll see change happen. You're not the same person. And if you are the same person, let me challenge you. Take some steps. Continue to grow. Continue to grow in your understanding of who God is. One of the things I love so much about our, this next generation of young people that are coming up, and I know a lot of times the next generation of young people kind of get the raw end of the deal. We, we say a lot of things about them, but I can tell you this. Our young people are hungry for a move of Jesus in their lives. And I want to be a part of creating an environment for that to take place. And it's not some stuffy, legalistic, where you got to have everything put together. And if you don't do it this way, and doesn't look that way. Listen, I'm learning things from the younger generation about who God is. And, and I'm telling you, they're challenging me in areas of my life where I need to take steps. Each and every one of us can take steps in our relationship with God. And I challenge you today to take a step. Just take one. Maybe for you this week, it's like you're going to sow. Maybe this week, it's, it's you're going to be a part of just showing God's love to someone else. This morning, I was coming through the drive-thru uh, at McDonald's and getting an Egg McMuffin and uh, was going through. And someone pulled up behind me, and the Lord just said, buy their, buy their meal this morning. And I was like, all right, I'll buy their meal. I told the lady at the, or the guy at the thing, I said, I said, hey, I want to buy their meal. I bought their meal. And I said, just tell them, show them God's love in a practical way. Why? It's just a random act, random act of kindness. But what does that do? It just could be a step for somebody. This week, you'll have opportunity to help people take steps in their relationship with God. And I challenge you to do that. Let's be followers, not fans. God bless.